Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Season 2, Episode 12 on The Real Kipper and Born Show, wherever you are. Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet's YouTube channel, Sportsnet Now. We're everywhere. Podcasts, iTunes and Spotify. We are glad you are aboard for the next two hours. I am gone five minutes yesterday. Five minutes and all hell has broken loose in Leaf Nation what the hell is going on? It's 2-2. Two, two. I know. Two wins, two losses, just four games played. But a lot happened in the last 24 hours, and it's still kind of trickling here, mm-hmm. JB. Justin Bourne, Derek Brandale, Jen Rolnick, Sammy McKee, our trusted producer, talking Leafs. All right. In, in a nutshell, can, can you just uh, – again, I was uh, – I missed yesterday's show. Yeah. I'm back today. Yeah. Can, can you assess for me what has really happened between Monday and going into tonight's game against Dallas? So the coach was a, a meanie to the elite players. <laughs> the elite players either didn't know what happened at all or didn't care. The coach told them that he was a meanie or either apologized or walked back being a meanie, and the players are like, okay. Whatever. And then everyone came out and talked about it. And us in the media, you know, our show included, which you weren't here for, went, ah! That's a show. Coach has lost control of everything. And I think everyone's just fine. Four games in. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. Sammy, our trusted Leaf Nation president of the Booster Club. Correspondent. Correspondent. Yeah. Okay. is there something here, or has this totally been blown out of proportion? I think, if nothing else, it shows the way people are feeling about this core. After you know, it's not four games. It was like, oh, it's four. It's yeah. not four games. <laughs> it's four years like, and four games. Like, you've got to have yeah. the pretty big blinders on to be like, oh, it's just four games. It's six years of this. It's seven. I guess not six. Six. I guess when did it kind of turn? After the second loss to the Bruins in the first round? Is that the time it turned? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But Sammy is sneaky, by the way, the most likely guy to swear on the show lately. I was You're really on the feeling the one there. I really <laughs> wanted to swear that. I just, it's not four games. And I don't, I think there's just a tension around the fans and this team after years and years of the same result. And I think everyone involved is feeling it. I really do. Okay, uh, we're going to revisit Sheldon Keefe. Of course, we're going to get to some uh, Kippers Clippers or Kippers Clips or I don't know what the hell you want to call it anymore. (laughs) Um, But uh, we will get to Keefe because he did say something to address, again, the follow-up. Right. Off the follow-up, I think, of the third (laughs) follow-up. He's addressing the aftermath of the aftermath. Okay. Oh, my God. This city. Can we just (laughs) for one second revisit Post comments okay. against Arizona. What he said wasn't the worst thing, no. was it? No. The only thing we had discussed on the following day, Tuesday, is 
would you have drawn that card after just four games? Mm-hmm. We weren't real. It wasn't a, a huge thing to focus or call out your elite players. Right. It wasn't the worst. I, I, I think I mentioned it as a, almost a playbook out of Mike Babcock's. Yeah. I mean, a couple of these guys have like one, two even strength points. You expect more from them. Their opponents haven't been very good. Do we want a refresher on what he said? We have the clip. How about a little refresher? All right, let's let's sure, refresh. That's fun. The difference between us and Arizona is that we have elite players, and our elite players didn't play like elite players today. Didn't couldn't make a difference. So, didn't play like elite players. I've got no issues with that. I actually, if you heard some other coach say that about his team, you'd be like, good for him. You know, Daryl Sutter, Sutter holding his boys accountable. Daryl Sutter says that. So, That's the most complimentary thing I, he's ever said in his life. <laughs> how, how do we go from a, 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 an almost throwaway comment to Sheldon keep needing to come back and refresh this story? I, I would love to know that. I don't know. To I, I, I almost have to apologize. It, it wasn't really an apology but what it was it was an admission it was an admission of being wrong that's what it was okay and the wrong is his choice of words that's sure well Uh, what do you how do you see it well no i don't think your assessment of it's wrong but i don't think he used the wrong choice the wrong words no but he said he chose the wrong i know he did Okay. So why is he yes. saying that is why? what we're doing here? Why 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 does Sheldon Keefe need to publicly do that on uh on a Wednesday? So I said on the show on Tuesday, that's the one thing I will take credit for here. I did say Sheldon is going to have to address that comment with those players. I called that. Because it's a public calling out. Which happened. Sure, yes. Right? Yes. It happened. Yeah. Here's my question to two of you guys today. Why did we need to know that? That that happened at all. That it happened at all. Why can't that be done behind the scenes? Why did it need to come back out? And I think it was Mitch Marner who publicly said that uh, do we, I don't know I don't know if we have the quote that he basically alluded to that we we met behind closed doors that's why closed I'll doors are for we'll leave it at that uh, it was addressed and then what that did in itself was stir up all the v- vultures out there who needed to kind of feed off of it yeah and Rain then you've up. got people going Oh, okay. So this is the way it works right now, right? The inmates get to run the asylum. Make the coach go out and prostrate himself in front of the masses. And and that's what happened yesterday. Well, it's the perception of what happened, certainly. For sure. Where's our buddy J.D.? Did he not? He sent a few, sent a few tweets that got people all fired up. He got fired, people fired up. And what was it? Was, about About how... This is a bad culture. It just l- comes off looking soft that a coach should have to come out. Like, do you think Duba said to him, you need to go out there and address those comments from yesterday? Because th- I think it kicked up a mild sandstorm when he said. I, I, I don't really b- believe that Kyle Dubas no. threw him out there and said, you need to no, go. I and, uh, agree. You need to no fix this. No way he this. said that. Not, not publicly. I'm not saying no way, but it's unlikely. 
It's it's not, unlikely. Yeah. I, I'm with you. I, I don't know. Well, here's how why it happened. If we're getting to the nuts and bolts of this, it's because Rosie Domano went down there and asked them all face to face about it. And listen, I I respect that kind of journal. Like th- tough questions have to be asked. It's a hard market. That's what happens with sports media. It's sports. It's a kids game. There's people reporting on way worse stuff all the time. And she went down there and asked them all to their face. Do you think it was too harsh a criticism? This that. And they got those answers, and it turned into a 24-hour news cycle. They did their job. So it's the reporter going down there and asking them face-to-face. There's a chance this never comes out. There's a chance this never happens without somebody going down there and directly asking them. If you want to get to the nuts and bolts of it, that's why we're here. Should have had her on the show. I I honestly believe that at that point, there should have been a discussion about it, and they all should have collectively – come together and have some sort of canned answer that would have never stirred the pot up. But I do agree a little bit with, and maybe I'm jumping ahead of where you want us to get to, but with Keith's comments today, that so much of this is what you're talking about is managing the media. (laughs) He's still talking. He's still talking about it. See, unfortunately now, as we listen to Sheldon Keefe's answer on, on how this thing snowballed, because that's where we are today. We need, again, uh, going into Dallas tonight, uh, the comments were Monday night, yet the focus is now on, okay, how did this snowball? How did it get so big? Mm-hmm. And this is where Sheldon Keefe, again, is adding to the story uh, with his comments on why we ended up here. Okay. Let's have Probably. a listen probably more a reflection of coaching the Toronto Maple Leafs and dealing with you all than anything, just to make sure that the way that I'm communicating is, is more clear because the reaction to the comments was not what I was trying to communicate. So it's more so about managing the media than it is about managing the players. All right, when in doubt, blame the media. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Again, though, I don't think it's any one person. There's just a lot of people. I don't know. So uh, I, I get, though, what he's saying is that there is a, a managing. He's trying to, after game, give fair answers, gives a fair answer, and then he's stuck doing all this. Like, if PR people for this, should Sheldon still be talking about it? See, Talks a lot, boys. I really believe. I really believe that this is this is a self-inflicted wound, and I gotta point the finger at Sheldon Keefe. One hundred percent. Coming off his comments on Monday, I think he only had two choices. One is to completely. Ignore it and say, we've moved on. Mm-hmm. Two is double down. Said what I said. Okay. Next question. Double and triple down. That's what he should have done. For sure. Couldn't agree more. Okay. And turn they around and say. Next question. You, who's, got a pro, who's got a problem in that room right now with my, what I said Monday? If you need to come into my room mm-hmm. and address it, I'm here. But you can say all you want. We've played four games and we've lost two to the worst teams in the National Hockey League. 31 team and number 32 31 last year. and team number 32. Yeah. 
for a team with cup aspirations. Okay, we lost to Arizona at home. Oh. You stunk. And yeah. I'm telling you, I'll tell it again. And that's it. If you don't think I can call you out now, when can you be called out? At the, at the end, we lost to Arizona. Yeah. How can you sit here in my office and say that? Well, actually, we had a goal. You know, our line controlled play just a lot. stay with it. Yeah. And stay with it in the media or just say, we, we dealt with it. It's over. Yeah. And move on. But to go back and use the word wrong... <laughs> I was wrong in the words. And look, and here's the worst part about it, okay, is what you've done now, what, what, what backpedaling on your comments Monday has done is that you've now created an environment where you've actually over-empowered your star players to look like they're um, spoiled, rotten guys who... Uh, uh, are, are pampered or prima donnas who can go in there and make you look like you need to apologize. And that's the worst thing that could happen to a Mitch Marner. It's the worst thing that could happen. What probably would have been best is that he says what he said, and then Matthews, Marner, Riley, Tavares, and Nylander just Back eat it. Eat it. Yeah. Just say, listen, he's right. We lost to Arizona. We've lost to Montreal. We need to be better. And we are difference makers. We weren't. We're going to be better. End of story. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it looks like, hey, hey, they're, they're maturing. They're mm -hmm. growing up. They've, they're they're, they're it, owning it. They're owning it. But all, all Sheldon did by backpedaling is make a guy like Mitch Marner look like he's, he's running the show. Ding, ding, ding. I think you've hit it on the head. I think you know, that's it. Thanks for, now the confetti for comes in, down, everybody. the music plays, and we uh, and that's exit. That's but no, but like, bang on. There's not one thing there. I was like, disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, Is it that hard? No, and now that you've said all that, it makes you feel dumb thinking it was nothing. Because <laughs> it's not nothing. Because I, I, I went back and forth thinking it was something, and it was something. We talked about it yesterday with Gunner. But you here's know. the thing. It is nothing, but it's a reflection of something. The mm. moment is nothing. What he did, not a Listen, big deal in a micro. You you are the general on the bench. You are it. Game four, you can't be saying I'm wrong. I, I don't it's really hard for a coach at any point to go up to his players and say I was wrong. But once you open that gate open, it might be a little hard to get it back on the rails. I'm telling you. And I've played with a lot of coaches. I can't. I can only recall one saying he was wrong, and that it was the most unlikeliest guy on the face of the planet. Keenan. Keenan, but it was in the Eastern Conference Final when it was really falling off the rails. But you had a guy like Mark work with Keenan, and it worked. It worked, and mm -hmm. we were fine with that. But that's the only time I think in all my 12 years of professional hockey, I, a, I, I listened to a coach saying I, I was wrong. Mm -hmm. and, and certainly, if, if they did, you'd never do it publicly. You'd right. never go back and, and do that in front of the world to see. Right. You just maybe keep, keep it behind closed doors. I was with Brad May yesterday, and he told an amazing story. Uh, when he was with the Vancouver Canucks 
where uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but it was going through this period of time where Pavel Burry was out of the lineup and uh, he wanted to trade in. He wanted to trade right away. Uh, I think Berkey was at the time, couldn't get a deal he wanted. He was miserable. The team was miserable. And halfway through a, a game against the Leafs, he pulls the goalie. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they were down three or four, three nothing or four one. He pulled the goalie in the middle of the game. Second period, yeah. And, you know, they lost the game that day. And then the next day they have a closed door meeting. And some of the veterans now going to Keenan and, and saying, What the hell are we doing here? You, you, you were wrong for doing that. Yeah. And, Keenan turned it right around, and he, last guy you would think about, you know, analytics, but he had, like, a well-thought-out answer to say, you know what the percentages of of us coming back in that game at that moment? If we don't score. Right? Yeah, then. And it's like, I tried something, you know, and I don't have to apologize for trying something different. And he just turned around and he went right back in their face. (laughs) And he said, you know, I'd do it again tomorrow. Because you guys weren't responding. You weren't ready. You weren't this. You weren't that. Here's the percentages of us coming back. Here are the numbers. Here's the data. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, Mayday tells me, you know what? We were wrong for thinking he was wrong. He was right. Mm-hmm. He was right to try something new. He was right to, to to give us a different feel, a different look. Did it work? No. But he wasn't wrong. And I think that, to, to spin this back to Sheldon, he, he wasn't necessarily wrong. Did we like the timing of it? That, is sure. that a card that you can go to two oh, or three early, times yeah. a year that early? No, no, no. Was he wrong for doing it? No. Yeah. So just go back to them. And just remind them, and and that's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like, you know, it feels like a different era of coaching in that a lot of these players, and this is well-established. We've talked about players now are more sensitive and they want to know why things are happening. They want to be included in the process and they want to whatever. But it is funny seeing the more successful coaches still seem to be the guys who are clearly in charge. You know, where there's not some sort of, you know, group run by the players. And when, yesterday I mentioned when Jeremy Collin tried to take over the Blackhawks after Q's gone and it's Taves and Kane's team. It's impossible. You know, Keith comes in when it's clearly Matthews and Marner and, you know, their team. It's a hard position when it feels like the players have more authority than the coach does. I mean, how many times do you hear guys say, oh, like, my least favorite guy in the world was Scotty Bowman, but then we won the cop, right? Right. Like, Until you're, not, you're, not, you're not supposed to love. Al Arbor co- was not a popular like, are you coach so, are you supposed with the to New York be, Islander players. Are you supposed to be best buds with your coach? So I'm with a few of the alumni. Uh, That's the assistant alumni. coach's job is to be the best. Right. I was with a few of my uh, uh, NHL alumni guys yesterday, and we were all talking about uh, when, when a coach is going off on us and either he's either singled out people you know, even publicly sometimes or behind the scenes. And you don't even the next day want to make eye contact with him. You are like your head's down you and you're like, game to start. Oh God, please, please don't look at me. Please don't look <laughs> at me. Um, and, and God, let me get out of here before someone tells me I got to go into his office and you pray, just pray that you get to 
puck drop and you're in the lineup, yeah, put that, me in. That, that, that you can get him to think about something new. Yeah. Make a play, and then you do though. You, and, that's and your just, like motivation and, and, to have legs. And that all night. they all they needed to do as a group is just get to Dallas, get to the puck drop, and 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 play a, a good game. And then that Monday's just it's lost. It's just absolutely lost. But unfortunately, now I mean, admitting you're wrong doesn't disappear anytime soon. No, it doesn't. No, it's uh you only get so many strikes, and that's probably one. It's probably one that gets remembered. Should we listen to him talk about using his bullets this early? Is that sure. a fair time for that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You know, we, we had talked before the season began about the importance, you know, of being really consistent and uh, having our, our game as often as we can look like our, ourselves. And you know, right from game one, that wasn't the case. You know, even though you have a lot of good things that happen in preseason and you had a lot of confidence going in and you get out there and it doesn't look that way. And, you know, for a team that's been together as long as ours has, uh, you know, we have new players and stuff like that. But obviously the identity of our team and the core of our team has remained the same. So there's an expectation that you would start at a really high level and you don't. So I think that's, that was disappointing. Um, and, you know, the Washington and, and Ottawa games, I think are are good games for us, and we feel we feel good about those games. And then, you know, the Arizona game's a, a funny game, but uh, we've been talking about not leaving those points on the table. And it just so happens the schedule we get, uh, you know, two uh, two opponents there that were type type of teams that we struggled with last season, and the expectations we'd improve there, and we didn't. So um, I think it's more just a symptom of that than anything. Um, I don't know if I had necessarily a game plan to how I was going to approach uh, the early going here other than to say that there's a, there's a high expectation that our group would continue to grow um, and having a good start to the season, particularly in those types of games, we would be better. And we- you know, uh, I didn't hear too much there. No, for, for me, it's the, you know, that they wanted to set the standard of consistency and all that heading into the season and try to look like us more often, like, which means before 82 games, they recognized one of their issues is that they have games where they just don't. You know, unlike a lot of the great yeah. teams, they consistently fail to show up against bad teams. Well, just to go back on on the elite players and not necessarily, uh, you know, just to follow up on Sheldon's original comment here. Uh, okay. Tavares, Nylander, Marner, Matthews. And then we'll throw in... Riley too. Those are those are the players that he speaks of. Yeah. But for me it's head and shoulders above the the guy that has not shown up or at least looked as close to anything that we're accustomed to seeing is Austin Matthews. For sure. That's it. He sits at the very top in this. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't expect Sheldon to call him out. I think it was actually a a a good move to it, you know, blanket it a bit. Yeah. Blanket it a bit. And it's, it's, you know, it's a bunch of guys, but Marner's, Marner's, Marner's okay. looked like Marner. Yeah. He has. Yeah. Nylander to it, me is fine. Yeah. Tavares is off to a good start for sure. Looks fresher, better. The legs seem to be better than they were at large stretches of last season. Yeah. He's looked good. Uh, Morgan's been on for a few goals, but outside of that, Aren't we really talking about just 
Austin not looking like Austin? Mm-hmm. I think we are. And we actually have him uh, on cleaning things up from yesterday if we want to listen to that sure. clip. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, obviously a little bit disappointing. Um, you know, I thought we had the puck lots. I think just trying to work through that, um, you know, discipline of, you know, when you have the puck lots, just trying to generate better scoring opportunities and kind of challenge the inside a little bit more. So, um, you know, I thought we obviously, you know, put ourselves in a position to fight back and, and make it a game. And, you know, tough call at the end, uh, overturning the goal. But, um, obviously, some stuff that we'd like to clean up. I mean, we're four games in. Obviously, nothing's going to be perfect. I think you're still working through uh, some stuff that, um, you know, I think most teams have to work through uh, in different areas of our game. So we're just trying to kind of map that all out and and continue to progress and go in the right direction. But, obviously, um, you know, you want to make good on those games for sure. Not a bad even-keel approach. Like, Come on, who, who who's really worried about this guy? No one. Long, not long worried. term. Not worried that this yeah, season he's not, not going to score worried. 50 or whatever. But he is a big reason why it, it's looked the way it's looked you know what for I, four games. You know what I and, don't like in that answer from Austin is the acceptance of, yeah, obviously things aren't perfect already or whatever. So I spent two years working for Sheldon Keefe, and one of the things that I did was I had to do the uh, the, the pre-scout for the opposition. Here's what they do. Here's how we're going to answer it, little system sheet. And I would show it to him and say, is that good to post? Yeah. And he would go through it, and he'd X out a comma and be like, you know, do it again and reprint it. Like, all right, I got to go back over here. I got to take it for a comma. Like, he was a perfectionist about this, this stuff, and he would say, you know, if we're what we're going to present of ourselves to the team has to be perfect because we expect that from them when they play. That was my, that's how I learned how he wanted to operate. And I, I thought that was amazing. And I changed the way that I thought about being a perfectionist about things so that the players would. I don't like hearing a guy who's the most important player on your team go, well, well you know, we obviously haven't been perfect. We'll try to clean some things well, up. Yeah, like, I, Hold yourself I to a higher standard. I, I think... Yeah, I, I don't think it's necessarily just the words that he said, but just he, he's, not he's, making a big he's deal. just trying to calm things down. Sure, that's 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 what I got out of it. Okay, and you know, unfortunately, I, I think you're right. If he if he would have turned around and said, "I I I'm with Sheldon," I, I haven't been very good, mm-hmm. you know, and I I got to get better looks. I got to fight harder for what if if there would have been more of that, uh, we wouldn't be having that the first 15 20 minute conversation on it we wouldn't yeah. have no you're right but so uh a good game against dallas will put a lot of things behind this organization but another look like we've seen in the first four games and and then at some point one of those players may have to say something mm-hmm. that uh that certainly can help a guy like sheldon yeah. out here could you be any more confident? <laughs> yeah. Maybe this is just What if just they me. lay an egg tonight? Then what do you do? Then you, well, then you don't... I'm so confident they're not going to tonight because of the, the history of this team. Oh, because it looks like a the, tough game against the, a good know, team. You, the you-know-what whack has happened? Just got your wrist slapped. Yes. You know, I, this is the type of game they play well. Dallas has given up three goals in three games. Go ahead and bet the Leafs tonight. Wow, they got the backup in. Go ahead and bet Austin Matthews to, to score so tonight. So here we go. Scott uh, Wedgwood. Wedgwood. Yeah is in goal tonight. They won't see their, their star goaltender and uh, Jake Ottinger. Mm-hmm. And and Sammy's just uh, said it right now that, uh, come on, 
Can't beat your backup goalie. There's the narrative already. Well, well, maybe that's the way to beat the Leafs, is to present yourself as vulnerable as possible. <laughs> show them your soft <laughs> underbelly, and then they'll just <laughs> refuse to show up. It's, <laughs> it's scary how true that is. <laughs> Don't make it seem like it's going to be tougher. You might get them up for the game. Well, we in about 15 minutes, we're going to get uh, uh, Mike Fuda is going to join us. Former NHL executive. He's going to come in and... Uh, Got takes. And, and we, Love it. We, he's got a lot of takes. Marty Turco in the next hour. Of course, uh, one of the great uh, Dallas Stars goaltender. We'll get his thoughts on on Dallas and how they uh, present themselves tonight. You mentioned the three and zero start. See, I, I I see this as a big challenge. I I, I don't even think about the goaltending right now outside no. of. Toronto seeing a, a team that's very confident, a team where a lot of guys had great success a few years ago in the bubble uh, Stanley Cup, Cup final. final yeah. So they got some star players there still. I, I think this is going to be a real tough one here. And and one where, again, this is a, a they could play big and heavy, yeah, which and- to me is a concern. And they've won 4-1, 5-1, 4-1 this year. Like, they're not squeaking out victories. They are... Firing on all cylinders. And the Leafs have two... Against Nashville and Winnipeg. And the Leafs have two D pairs where I'm not sure if the guys have ever been in the same room together. Ooh, Victor Mete. Victor <laughs> Mete and Giordano and Hall and Listen, Sandin. I want to get into that discussion because yesterday I wrote a, a, an article for the Toronto Star suggesting that uh, maybe it's a good time for the blue line to yep. uh, get uh, a different look. Uh, I want to get into that a little later. But uh, okay. let's, let's tee up... Uh, the Robertson uh, matchup tonight, boys. Yeah, which Sam just absolutely dragged Nick Robertson in our thing here. Not on purpose. No, it's just not good. But listing his stats beside his brother's stats is not, not fair at all. Jason, so, yeah. two years older with an extra 120 games and 58 goals and 70 points. <laughs> or sorry, sorry, an extra 128 points. Two. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. That's right. So, uh, Nick Robertson in the lineup. He's been uh, a guy that uh, has done everything that uh, has been asked. He prepared well for the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. He needed to get bigger and stronger. He spoke of that before training camp. Unfortunately for him, the numbers didn't work out at training camp, went down with a good attitude, but got a great opportunity tonight. I think everyone's ready for Nick Robertson to be a full-time Toronto Maple Leaf a difference maker, not expecting him to come out and score, you know, 30 goals this year. But, you know, if he, he could score 20 goals, if he plays 78 games this year and plays in the middle six, I, I, I'm hopeful for him. I think it's his time to, to come around. Why don't we listen to Sheldon Keefe tell us about Nick Robertson? I mean, you talk about being an important game today. Every day has been important for him since he's been here since the start of camp. And I think he's handled that extremely well. You know, he, he even the fact that he gets... You know, sent down to the Marlies. That's a tough pill to swallow, understandably. But uh, he did that, went down and played well, and now here he is, he's back. Uh, so just the way he's handled all of that, but also, yeah, within his game, I, we think we've seen the growth and maturity in his game and sort of a recognition that um, he doesn't have to take on everything, every shift, and feel like every shot has to go in the net. I mean, there's, a, there's an understanding of the process and the patience that has to come with just being consistent and going out shift after shift and doing what the game calls for and what the system calls for. And we've really seen him take 
really big steps in, in that regard um, from the start of camp. And it's really about still looking noticeable, still looking dangerous when you don't have the puck. Yeah, there's so much there about we want him to play when he's not shooting it in the net. We want him to play. That's right. You know, play the team system, be where you're supposed to be. You're going to get looks and not get ahead of the play and force it and think about goals. Just But with this, you can't ask that of him and then take him out of the lineup in two or three games if he hasn't scored. You can't claim that those things don't matter if he's doing those other things well and it's yeah. just not going in Here's for the problem with that, JB, is if you're not accumulating points in the process, then it becomes about the team and not Nick Robertson's development. That's, that's the unfortunate part for Sheldon and this whole organization mm-hmm. is that, you know, if, if you want to continue to have people believe that you are a top contending team, that you could challenge for the Atlantic, that you could be at a top three team overall, you can't, you can't, lull those three games away and and still keep Nick Robertson in the lineup necessarily if he's not contributing or if the if the team's still struggling mm-hmm. that's the, that's the you got to win and you got to buy Nick time with wins if if you want to go down that route that you're speaking of I just well, think what's the- his competition Malgan yeah yes i mean what's mal i, I mean he I skated know. with the puck a few times I, know. I don't think I think Nick Robertson's going to get every every yeah. every opportunity and I think he's down with the American Listen, League. I don't think he goes down if, again. If he if he can still be in a position where again what Sheldon's talking about not scoring mm-hmm. and and still looking like a dangerous guy. Yeah, yeah, he's getting chances, he's got then, shots. Then, then, yeah, because that's that's Maligan. Well, Mal- Malgan right? has three straight games without a shot on net. Mm-hmm. You know, like Robertson's bar to clear to stay ahead of Malgan is not that high. He played three bottom feeding teams after shooting one in the net and one that yeah. anyone talking here could have shot in the net, including Nick Robertson, yeah. who's not here, but probably could have pulled that off. Yeah. So, so Malgan's out. Malgan's out tonight, mm-hmm. which really is a shame because I didn't see oh, this. I didn't see don't this. Don't even go there. Marchman, I didn't see Malgaman. this versus uh, Robertson versus Robertson. I saw it Mulligan versus Marchman. Oh. <laughs> That's the matchup I wanted to oh, see tonight. Oh, my God. No? Only you would think of that, Ken. No? No. Oh, come Jeez. on. I don't think that's a matchup Mulligan wants. <laughs> see him have a scrap or what? Oh, Marchie fights a no, little. No, 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 no. Come on, you guys. What are you, Neanderthals? <laughs> I'm just talking about, I'm talking skill on skill here. Malgan would have sent, I'm sorry. Marchman let me, let me sent, just Google Marchman. Oh, he's in the top 20 in league scoring, five points in three games. Yeah, it's a move. Mason Marchman was the star coming out of training camp for the Dallas Stars. <laughs> he was their best player. Yeah, you know what though? I, but guess part what? of the reason no, they no. trade him, they don't Doesn't think he can play a hockey I'm season. I'm sorry, but this is like this is turning into an unbelievable story for sure. But it's not a Leaf story anymore. No, because no, no, he no. wouldn't have been here no, anyway. No. This is a hockey story. Yes. This is much oh, bigger. And it's than, a Leaf story too. Well, it starts off as a Leaf story. If they knew he was going to be this good, you find a way to keep him. Like, 
what's he got? Three goals and yeah. five points in three games. And one of them, he looked like Mario Lemieux. No, 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 no. You, you're joking. Six hey. foot four. You're you're joking around. But I saw a goal in Nashville. I don't know if it was his first or second game. Yeah, that's the one. Where he picks up the puck in his own zone, and he, I'm like, get the red line and dump it in. That oh, and he pulls sees, it across that to guy get inside. Sees, that guy sees one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League and Roman Yossi. And he says, I'm going one-on-one against Yossi. You'd have hated that if he turned it over. But he didn't, and so it's fine. He undresses one of the best defensemen in the league. I gave that watching a stank face up. No. And goes in and Do splits the know, puck in two on the bar and it goes in. Do you know how fearless you have to be to think that you want to just attempt it, let alone pull it off. Like, you know, we talked about, how am I going to phrase this? Marchie just does this guy. Like he just reacts. He goes, he doesn't think too much. Mm -hmm. So that's sort of the thing. You're getting out of here. (laughs) He, He just does. And he's very talented. And no word of a lie. Like people are saying it's, it, he has got more skill than you, you even thought. I'm telling you, Kipper, they had this guy. It makes no sense because Kipper or, or, uh, Dubas is so loyal to the guys, his guys. They take an undrafted player. They bring him into the org. They don't put him on the Marlies or the ECHL team. They just keep him around and work with them. This goal is so disgusting. They developed him for years. It is so nice. It is filthy. Yeah, the, the, when he picks up the puck in the neutral zone here, not to do a breakdown where no one can see it, but the thought to cut it into the inside, like Yossi wasn't expecting it from him, but his second gear of pushing off, he goes fast and He's then shoots and it lanky. off the post and in yeah. ferociously. Anyway. It's a gross goal. But like I said, they wouldn't the have been able to. The one that got away. He, he would, would look okay in bunting spot. For sure. Oh, you think? <laughs> but they wouldn't have been able to afford him. It's not a leaf story anymore. Yeah, he would have left. Yeah, Kerfoot would be playing somewhere else, and so would Justin nah, Hall. Oh, They'd have no, no, no. He would have left. Listen. He would have been gone. No, Time and no. left. They all leave. Ooh. That's all they do is leave. <laughs> Carter Damn Brown, me. gone. They all go. There's only four. There's only <laughs> four. times you've been dumped in your life? There's only oh four. There's God. four constants, boys. There's four constants with this team. I guess five with the with Morgan Riley. But, like, there's only, you know, everything else doesn't matter. It's just interchangeable. <laughs> He's I giving up, I, man. I don't know. Uh, should I pile on Sammy right now? <laughs> no, or please. did you guys already oh, talk about Labushkin getting away? Oh, sorry. I'm just watching that goal again. Uh, you know, Holy yeah. Oh. Sorry, so we talked a little bit about it. Oh, there's the, this is the audio of Louis DeBrusque watching it. Sorry, so we Boys, that was like. Oh, my God. That could, was like, could oh. be could be the best hit I've seen in like twenty years. He eviscerated him. That's one like Holloway was moving forward at a good speed, and within a moment, his body was going the other direction. It was like getting hit by that bullet train that you and I watched the video of. <laughs> wow. But anyway, Lavushkin is wow. He'd be useful. We had a good conversation about that yesterday, talking about how guys just don't expect to get hit like that anymore. We think that's a part of it. Do you think that's accurate? That players just don't anticipate well, Holloway's anyone go hitting? Go watch Holloway's path. Oh, it's that, horrible. That was, what do we call those? Suicide passes. Right. You just don't pick up that pass. You just say, right? this is not in the spot. That, I want that, is, that is not the path. You don't want to be facing north and looking south for the puck. 
particularly when it's coming. That's, <laughs> you know? that's the vintage okay. get lit up spot yeah. where he was. Like a step was once a, upon a time. Yeah, a step over the blue line not looking yeah. is where it happens that's, a lot. Think of Cronwall. It, think of guys it getting it there. It just doesn't happen very often because so much has to be absolutely guys, perfect. Guys don't for look it. for that hit anymore because guys don't want to get well, wildly out of you, position. You, if you go for that listen, hit and Holloway doesn't get the pass, you're as, screwed. As someone that has been on the ice with a few of those guys over my oh, I'm sure my career. This is what it really does. Okay, like there's a part of you that understands that you you're you're, you're on a team, there's a system to play. You know, you'd like to score a goal. Or you'd like to look good. But there's also the part of you when you're on the ice is who's out here and who could potentially rip my head off. That's how you play yes. when you're on the fourth line in my generation. Okay. So what happens from here moving forward for a very long time now, Labushkin has gone to that next level where guys now will watch that. And moving forward, there's always going to be a part of you that goes, when you play against Buffalo, that that guy can do to me what he yeah. did to Holloway. And there'll always be a part of you now that has to think that way. That's what that's what a hit like that does for Labushkin, and that's for what, his team. That's that's what it does for his team, and that's what uh, Truba's been able to do for the Rangers. And it's just it's taken Labushkin to a complete another level yeah. that he has that. It's like having the club in your bag that so, you can go to. So I've been dying to make the point you just made because I had analytics people tell me, well, you know, he's he only played. 13 minutes and his uh, defending entries is this and he's that and whatever. No, no, no. I played enough hockey to know that you don't always know who you're on the ice against. But when the other team has someone who plays like that, no matter who's on the ice, I'm hesitant. It changes Because it you. might, he might be. Hesitant is the perfect word. It is. It's it, just that little bit of like, it, if it's him, I'm It changes. It makes you pump you know for what? half a second. You can't tell them. They don't understand that. Because that, 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 that helps all the defensemen on your team because everyone isn't sure. I, I never knew who, who was out against unless it was one of a few guys. But you can tell certain analytic people that never played the game before that, and they don't, they don't so, get well, it. Well, his numbers. Well, what's he doing for everyone else's numbers? So, Making his opponents scared. What do you think felt better, Marchman's goal or Labushkin's hit? Labushkin's hit. Maybe because I've never done it, that just looked like an unbelievably satisfying. Oh. <laughs> okay, we got to go to break. Yeah, we should. Would, break. would you have signed Labushkin for 2 5 to keep him? Definitely. Oh, my God. All day long. <laughs> all day no long. Question. Our show, Team all right, blown through the third base stop sign. Mike Fuda, after the break, you're watching and listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne. Hey, uh, one thing I do want to say, um, and listen, I mean, the beauty of our show, JB, for me, anyways, is the fact that, you know, we don't come on till 3 p.m. Eastern. A lot of people, morning shows, noon, they get to say stuff. We get to still think about what we want to say. Right. And we got all the time in the world to kind of form opinions and then 
take a stance and come out here for the next few hours, talk to everybody. Um, but, you know, w- what isn't lost on me mm-hmm. as I, I sit here, we sit here and critique Sheldon Keefe, what isn't lost on me on is how we get to really think about what we have to say and how we want to say it. And those guys after an emotional game, get on a podium right away sure, and yeah, have to be sure. perfect yeah. and have to make sure that their their words are, 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 aren't taken out of context or with the under... And it's just really hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And I get it. I get it. Some, some days you choose the wrong words. And, it's, and sometimes they're not the wrong words, but you shouldn't have said yeah. them or whatever, you yeah. know? It's, so I, I just wanted to make sure that... Uh, we get it. Yeah, it's not. It's hard. It's absolutely hard. Maybe that's why a guy like Mike Fuda has always been an NHL executive that uh, throws people out there to the podium and says, "You do it. I don't want to get myself in any hot water." <laughs> Let's welcome in Mike Fuda. Come on, Tipper. I've never ever avoided a podium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what side? What side do you sign on? What side do you fall on? It. Have you said that, like Sheldon rolling it back? You guys are fine with that? Oh, we went we, we we went hard at it. I don't know if you caught uh, the early part of our show, but uh, I basically said that Sheldon should either have ignored uh, uh, questions on it and say that we've moved on, or he needed to double down or triple down on it. Yeah, well, that's fair. Uh, what what, is, what are your thoughts on this? And you know, I, I ask you, uh, and I I take you back to your LA days, and uh, and and Daryl Sutter and whether or not he would have, uh, you know, uttered the words, uh, I used the wrong words. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't even have to hold on to that one. Daryl uh, controls the every press conference he's in. You don't even have to have questions on the other end. He's going to answer the question he wants out of his mind. And that's what comes with experience. Uh, and Daryl being Daryl, Daryl has never... Although he doesn't like press conferences, though he says he's the master of them and he controls the narrative. So, um, you know, that being said, I mean, I, you know, on the other night, and I get it, and uh, I know there's so many different things he can throw. Kipper and I had the pleasure of being on with uh, Borny and David Amber the other night to discuss this. But it's, it's not for me. It's not a panic. It's not a, I mean, I've sat in those chairs. So it's not something you want to throw stones, but it's really hard to see. And it's not, I'm not like an anti-Leaf guy. I mean, I've got, you know, I've got Jordano, Muzzin, Spezza, Tavares. These are all guys that coach. I want to see them win. I want to see them play Stanley Cup, but it's frustrating. And I do think Matthews is the best player in the National Hockey League all around. I mean, I think he's going to score 50 in his league. This is not what happened in Austin Matthews. You know, it's just, I see the changes. You see the lack lack of success, even though the teams have kind of continually I mean, last year, they said that, you know, the regular season doesn't mean anything, and then they made it mean something to us because it was magical. They had the most points they ever a Leaf team. They, you know, Matthews scored 60. They just they run the table, and you couldn't help but admire the regular season. But you go in and, you you know, you play better against Tampa, but you still don't get the result. You know, you talk about having a much better handshake and stuff like that, but you still didn't get the result. So you go into the summer and, you, you know, obviously with the contracts they signed, you're up against Cap. But I, I just look at Sheldon Keith when I mentioned it tonight. I coach Sheldon Keith, and for all the crap away from the rank, he's the most competitive kid I've ever coached. Uh, you threw a corner and he battled. I'm convinced it wasn't for the outplay stuff and the injury. He would have been a superstar in the NHL, and he took no nights off. And even and part of what made him great and hungry, too, is when 
when the poor sisters came into town, he ramped it up a notch. And he, because he wanted his cookies too, he scored against the good teams, but that's how scoring champions win scoring championships. And um, I, I mean, I watched that team the other night, and then and Shane, here, this guy down, my Brennan Shannon, Wendell Clark, Milan Lucic, probably my favorite power forwards of all time. And I know these don't go on trees anymore. Sorry, Kipper, you're just a little further down the list. <laughs> Did we lose him? Hall of Famer for a reason. And when you see the product of the team, you don't see that element. Yeah. Oh, we're going to know. Sorry, we think we're going to give him a call back. Yeah, if, we're going to uh, give him a call back. We'll uh, reconnect there. So I, 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 I've I, heard him make that point before, and actually it's going to be a, around my follow-up with him in a sec, but the idea that the Leafs' leadership is so competitive. I've told you, I've seen Kyle Dubas rip pitchers off the wall and smash them in frustration. Sheldon Keefe is a guy who has a reputation as someone who would cut out your heart to score a goal, and Brandon Shanahan is his whole legacy is punched people in the face on the way to scoring goals. Yes. So I think Futes finds it curious that this Leafs team doesn't have that element baked into it. That will be always for me the $64 million question is that how, how can the makeup of, of the, those characteristics that you told me about not look like it should naturally follow the leadership, to, to the way the on, that Rod Brindamore's no, just to guys. The, just, just to the on-ice product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do we have feuds? I think so. Yep, Sorry, there you, guys. No, no, all good. Not your fault. Um, I, I did want to follow up with uh, something. In the past, I've heard you say that you've thought this Leafs team has been on track before when they had Bogosian and a different-looking fourth line, Simmons, and kind of lost their way a little bit. You feel like that's that was the best version of this Leafs team to date, right? Well, the 2021, 20, I think it was. I mean, I thought I was applauding um, Kyle. I mean, they, I think they added Felino. They had Bogosian in the sixth hole. You know, they had, I think Barton was in the lineup, Clifford Simmons. And it wasn't, they weren't a thug team. But it, for me, they looked like they finally got it, that they were going to, they are going to be a hard team to play against in the playoffs. And then, unfortunately, I thought, you know, I, I do think they lose JT right out of the gate and, Tavera, and uh, sorry, Foligno gets hurt. And I don't think this team played with the adrenaline it would have been if there were fans in the buildings. But I thought that was a lost opportunity that they should have walked through the Canadian division. And I know Freddie wasn't great, but he shouldn't have had been great to beat out Montreal that year. And it was almost like it didn't work, so they just ripped up the – they just ripped up that plan and moved on to, to skill, skill, skill. And I mean, and I don't look at some of these players as soft. It's not like Mark Giordano is a warrior. I mean, it's the Hall of Fame. I love this kid. Jake Muzzin, it's like a truck, but he's not a fighter. He's a warrior. This isn't soft players. Like Morgan Riley isn't a soft player. But when you start talking about Austin Matthews, we want him to take his physical game to another level. And because he was so frustrated the other night, he threw a huge body check. I, I don't want Austin Matthews becoming Wendell Clark. Uh, and with shoulder histories and stuff like that. And that doesn't mean I don't want him throwing a weight around, but that's not the development I want to see in his game. I just find that that fourth line, and I, we talked about this morning, and it's not a, it's just a roster makeup that I find that if you're, it's, it, it, I know on a team that's so analytic driven, sometimes you have to, have to look at facts. Like, hey, it bothers me when people talk about the, the Colorado Avalanche. They don't have any, you know, they don't have anybody like that. Well, they didn't in the playoffs because Curtis McDermott kept them safe for the entire season. And they rewarded him with a, you know, minimum contract NHL with a two year extension. He didn't play a game in the playoffs. And you talk to anybody in that room during the regular season, guys were spared injuries, guys felt safer because he was on the ice. Like Milan Lucic used to tell me, and this Blant's scared of nobody, but if players that play that kind of role, they look the night before and season the other team's lineup, 
If there's no deterrent, they have that individual thought in their mind where they want to go out and take rough advice. And if there's no deterrent, it's free game. He says they're nice. I got to look in. And if, and if Curtis McDermott's in the lineup, I got to think twice if I want to go run around at McKinnon or what have you. And that gets your team to the playoffs where sucking it up and, and going on the power play and burying you becomes a factor. But during the regular season, some of your star players are going to limp into the playoffs if they don't have protection. And I mean, that's why that, you know, the first game, the first shift, I think it was Josh Anderson went in. It was either Muzz or Geo. He just ran them right through the boards. And I mean, and Tom Wilson, who's, I mean, these are guys, and they're hard to find, don't get me wrong, but even the value of an Evander Kane, uh, you know, now if somebody wants to mess with a McDavid or tries idle, if Vander wants to play that role, he can do it. And again, it's not a, it's not a turn it back to throwback. And I talked to Nick and I talked to Borny about this, like when I was in Carolina last year, mm-hmm. the, most covet, the most coveted piece, and I think the least in Carolina, Oh, no. Oh, he's just getting to the juicy part. (laughs) Hold on, hold on. Say that again, Futes. (laughs) If they're going to skill you to death, okay, those are the two guys. Those are probably the two teams that are going to take you on. But the player that Rod Brandemar covered the most was Nick DeLaurier because he was sick and tired of watching his stars get run out of the building. Nick's a guy, if you look at his his, uh, analytics, he should probably be in East Coast League. But if you look at what he brings to the room and the toughness he brings on the ice, Mm Okay, it's a different dimension. And that Carolina team, you can't tell me, and one of the reasons I'm back to full-time media is because of the Nick Galeria seg and why we didn't get him and how we could have got him. And it didn't mean we would have won the Stanley Cup, but we were in first place at the time. Guys had the freedom to run around and take shots at Ajo, take shots at Shreshnikov. And the guys that end up doing the pushback are like the Tony D'Angelo's of players of the league. There's a freedom to run into Freddie in the crease because there's no, there's going to be no pushback. And you get guys like in the playoffs, like Truba ripping Josh Jarvis head off the shoulders with a hit because there's no deterrent. There's no thought. And you got the Rangers sitting over there with Ryan Reeves and players like that. And I just think it's a, it's a, it's an element that when you have it in your lineup, it's so much different. And it's it's it maybe you've got and I know they're up against the cap. You got to find a way to move some of your skill for for an element like that. And you talked about that fourth line that you love, Borian. I'm not throwing not at all throwing you under the bus, but if that's the element you want in your fourth line, then four games into a season where you lost out in the first round of the playoffs and you're trying to impress a new coach, you should not be on the ice for the first two goals against at home against the Arizona Coyotes. Period. Joined with Mike Vuda, former NHL executive, current analyst for Sportsnet. So did they make a mistake with not filling at least one spot with Wayne Simmons? He could still do that. Well, he can do I mean, that's the hard part. I mean, in Simmer, I mean, obviously I have a vested interest in Wayne Simmons, but I'm not talking about Wayne Simmons, the Philadelphia All-Star here. I'm talking to someone who just sits up in the booth and watches that and knows that that's his family down there and he wants to be able to help them out. And again, if that other element was to the point, like in last year, all year long, he ran through Tampa, got a Maroon space to just show them that we're not going to back down for you. He had a great first game and then he takes the bad penalties in the second and all of a sudden he's on the retirement program like he's the reason they're losing. And that's just my personal opinion, but that element, whether it be, I mean, in an ideal world, you develop that kicker. Like when we drafted in Los Angeles and not, I mean, obviously we won a couple cups and Daryl was amazing. We had a well-balanced team, but we drafted like Kyle Clifford's and on that team that we won with, and it was a different style team. We were skilled, but we had Jordan Nolan and, and Dwight King and kids. And if anybody wanted to mess with Kopitar and the big boys, then there was guys that were going to, not only could they play and kill penalties, but they were going to answer the bell. And it's frustrating too, because when you build a roster, like I'm going to give them full credit, like this bunting, what a pickup, like what a pickup. But Okay, so you pick up a guy like Bunting, whose key is to be kind of like 
Farshad Light, a rat. Now, this guy's going to go in and do his job, and you know what's going to happen, Kipper? There's going to be Scrum Central. And who's coming into the Scrum? Matthews and Marner. What's going to happen? Okay? Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. And you're going to have guys that you don't need getting hurt, get beaten up, just come Bunting's being doing effectively what he has. But there's nothing to back it up uh, to, to help him out if he needs some help. And, and it's not a deterrent to him, but that's just part of your team's identity. And, I mean, you look back, and everybody has their mistakes and stuff, and I'm giving them full credit for that. But, like, Mark Hunter brings Mason Marchman in. And one of the things I talked about, and first of all, Mason Marchman wins this Calder Cup with Kiefer and, and Dube, so they should know exactly what they have. Is when I was working in the industry, there's certain last names that when you saw them go through, you gave them an extra look. And obviously there's the elite, like the Tachooks, that you know what you're getting. You're getting hockey-driven kids. You know, in my case, it was like with Curtis McDermott, right? I knew what his dad was all about, so I was going to let Dermy have to get through the bad skating and all that because his work ethic was beyond and his competitiveness which going to think. So you obviously, God bless Mosh, we love him to death, but this kid was sitting right under their lap, right? And they had all the development money in the world, and they developed him into what he is now for, for the Florida Panthers and now tonight for the Dallas Stars. And how does the second line look with Mush, Marchman, you know, with Tavares? And, and I know the guy they traded for him, he's skilled to death, but tonight he's going to be in a suit. So there's just certain things that developing your own toughness and your internal or even if you have to give up a little bit to get it in your lineup, I just think it's invaluable. It's just absolutely invaluable. Sammy's in a, a puddle of his own drool thinking about Marchman, <laughs> Tavares, and Nylander. He's got, I don't even think about him. I don't even think about him at all. That's what he says. <laughs> but it's not like a hidden on it. They won. You talk about, I mean, there's so much made about this this Calder Cup championship that, that they built. And, you know, I mean, obviously – you don't want to take anything away from it, but you want to come out of a championship, like not with a, a ring with like a bunch of non-prospects, but there was one just right under their nose that they developed, they, they, but they knew they had tangibles with the dad brought to the table and he was going to find a way. And it's, it's unfortunate. And we all have those kinds of, but you look at a team like that, that's the kind of player that takes you to another level because of that kind of grit and pride, you know, local kid, everything under the bus that, that, that helps you. And now you put yourself in a position you know, you come out, you traded for a goaltender that was going to be your number one goalie who's had a history of injuries. Poor scenario, he gets hurt. Okay, freeze, you have some cap space to get some of these other teams in the belt. You've got another goaltender that Washington who wants to win a Stanley Cup, didn't have faith in. Hopefully for the team, he looks great the other night, but you've got to, you know, you've got to stand up for him and hope he gets his confidence back. And again, you've got, if I forget you're playing Arizona Cards at the Coyotes the other night, you're throwing in a guy, whether his second or third NHL start, if not his first, you want to come out gangbusters and get that guy for some confidence too. Now I have him being a first loss against the last place team. And I, and I don't think the other night I called him the Washington generals. I felt bad because Bill Armstrong, Bill Armstrong and Andre Turner, they're good friends. And that's the team obviously in the rebuild. And, and they were very opportunistic. But for me, I mean, I sat there and I know Borne, you love your analytics. And for the first, I sat with my dad and for the first 11 minutes, they had the puck and the stick like the Globetrotters. And I looked up and expected to see it 11, nothing or 12, nothing shots. And it was three, nothing. And then it's not my, it's, you know, Kipper, you let somebody hang around long enough. There's going to, there's going to be a bounce. There's going to be a break. And all of a sudden you're on your heels and all of a sudden the Leafs wake up with six minutes left and they turn into the Leafs that we all want to watch and they find a way to tie it up. And then they didn't deserve it because that, that play, whether it was the right call or the wrong call, that team should never be in that position. And again, uh, I, I, it's, for me, it's not getting down. It's just, you guys, it's like when Vladdy said, this is the preview or this is the movie this year. Yeah. Okay, there's so much expectations 
that for a team like Tampa Bay is off to a bad start, but as I said, they played what 16 rounds of playoffs. Give them a, give them a pass. This team is supposed to come out full of piss and vinegar, new look, and and get off to a start. Now, for injuries aside, that game the other night shouldn't have been close, and it shouldn't have been left to a, a referee call to get it to that point. And now you hear about the injuries, like Muzz could be out long term, and of course everybody's well. Now we need that. We need to add two top D or two skilled D. Now we have the cast space for two top D. Well, you name the team right now lined up to help Sean A. Place. Like those guys, those guys are hard to find, right? It's hard to make a trade in the National Hockey League. And, and I believe, I mean, I believe you brought it up, Tripper. I think I was reading your thing the other day. Uh, the kid in, what is the kid in uh, Arizona? Sorry, chicken, left chicken. top D. Yeah. Everybody, okay, chicken. But everybody wants chicken, okay? And, and if you and I, I know I don't want to get into the thing I sent you, Barney, the other day because it's way too much overkill. But <laughs> to acquire Chikrin, you have to have assets and you have to have the ability to give up something. And with the amount of um, the amount of pieces that have moved, it's not that easy. It's not that easy if Must comes back and and God, I hope he does because I love him to death and I him and his family. I hope he gets better. But you've got these guys that if they come back, you have to have space for them. And this guy, like I know, because Arizona being on the other end of this guy, they were asking for like three first round picks. They want your top young player. They want your top guys firstborn. They're not, they, they, they know they have a big chip here and they're not going to be doing the trial make loose a favor, you know, who is a very, uh, some good prospects. I mean, God, you know, God bless the kid that had the ice, the aneurysm or whatever. He was a great prospect. He's got some work to be done, but there's not a lot of chips that you can just throw at him that's going to make, uh, Army go up and down saying, oh, yeah, we're ready to give you our top young left shot mm-hmm. B that's on a great contract for whatever guys that can't make your lineup or picks that you don't have. So it's, it's not in – I know in the Toronto, and it's part of what makes Toronto Toronto. But as I said, like, this is the market, and it comes with the pressure of being in this market. And uh, as you know, as you know by anybody, Chipper, but it's not just – it's it's like look at the Dodgers right now. They scored 111 games. I was reading articles like – I was reading articles about Run Mookie Betts out of town. You know, Justin Turner retire. This guy, you know, and they they they've got a they've got a championship under their belt. So, you know, and, and it brings Toronto. And I, I talk about this because the one guy that's impressed me more than anything through all this stuff is uh, is Matthews because I see his interviews and he has a calm, cool, collective. Anybody seems to get it about what it's like to be in Toronto. Um, the way he responds to a Steve Simmons question. Uh, the way he came out yesterday with this look. I mean, I think someone asked me the other day about his childhood days in Arizona. He said, well, I got to answer this every year, but he wasn't <laughs> condescending. But it's like, it's this, it's, there's a difference for me. There's a fine line between confident and cocky and skilled and arrogant and skilled. And uh, for me, if you're confident and cocky, who I think cost a man, I wouldn't want him any other way, you're going to find a your get your results. If you're arrogant and skilled and you haven't accomplished anything, it's a recipe for disaster. And I think there's some other guys that just got to buy in a little bit more to the compete side of, you know, I mean, I know you've all got your money, but I I know you want a ring. And I think if you win a ring, it allows you a couple months in the summer to be arrogant. But until you've done that, grab your, grab your pants and go to work here because this, this fan base loves you. And, I mean, of course, they're the ones that are going to, you know, like I told my dad, it's almost time to lose when it's going to happen, you know, four games in. But there's people there. And, I mean, I know I laugh. I mean, thank God I had someone donate. The, uh, it's had Amazing Grace Bowen's family. There was a donated box. But if I was somebody that paid whatever, $400, $500, that's tough. That's a tough one to take in if that's the only game I'm going to see that year. Um, and, again, I, I mean, 
there's people there. I just, I want to see them do it, but there's certain things that are, that are self-inflicted wounds. And I, and I think that if you throw analytics out and not entirely, I know it's here to say, but you can't tell me or name me a team that's got, that's looking at their jewelry over the past five or six years that simply outskilled teams. Um, they, uh, you know, they either outgold them, period. Usually your goaltender is somebody that's homegrown and he's up to the con smite in the, in the playoffs. Uh, whether he wins it or not, you're talking about, I mean, even last year, Darcy Kemper had to be good when he was good. That's a different team, though, if you look at that defense compared to what we're, we're talking about here. It's just a, it's a unique thing that you better have some grit mm-hmm. in your lineup, and it, it's going to help this skill get by without pretending that they're, like, I mean, and we got it last year. We had near the playoffs. We were, like, they came at us in the playoffs, and Ryan Reeves would go into a scrum, and all of a sudden, Vincent Trocek's got his elbows up, and, and you know, Ahu's slashing guys behind the whistle, and now, you know, especially Kyle thinks he's got to get into it. Guys, they get away from what makes them great, right. trying to be something that should also already be in your lineup. And, uh, and that's, you know, sorry for the ramble, Kipper, but I love you to death, and I swear to God, I, I, this is the most frustrating thing, especially being on outside <laughs> looking in. And all you have to do is walk, watch hockey and talk about it. And this is not a slander, whatever, do this or shame. It's not because I, I, I just, I've never seen a team that doesn't resemble the makeup. And I'm not, this is no, cause I don't know Kyle's background as a player, but they're, they're the, the major, usually there's a little bit of resembling your front office uh, on the ice with the amount of, the amount of uh, balance between incredible skill and absolutely ferocious, tenacious effort. Foots, let's get you back on the show when you have a little bit more to say. <laughs> Kipper, this is, what, this is what happens when you get on once a month. <laughs> I mean, That's right, I mean, we need I, a regular not, spot for Foots. I'm not even Tim, and I'm not even like, now. Like, next time I go on Tim and Friends, I'm going to say, what, congratulations on your 10-year anniversary. Like, what is... <laughs> All right, hey, anyway, we got to sell something, for God's sakes. Thank oh, God well, you have to thanks, breathe. Thanks. Hey, thanks Thanks, for doing this, buddy. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Futes. You're the best. All right. Thanks, Thanks, Futes. Like you got shot out of a cannon. The man has thoughts. Oh, my God. You know what? Marty Turco's got thoughts, too. He does. Oh, yeah. Hope he can breathe a little bit more, though. No. (laughs) Let him run. I love it. I love it. Let's go to break. We're back. More real Kipper and Bourne. Marty Turco. Teen up Dallas versus the Leafs tonight. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Kiprios, Justin Bourne, waiting on Marty Turco, former National Hockey League All-Star. You have Futes back on for a couple answers. You wait. Boots is getting some love on Twitter. On, on Twitter. We'll, uh, we'll have to make him a more regular guest. Man has opinions and knows his stuff. Brian Dempsey at BDemps82 says, This interview with Fuda is gold. Tell the snowbird, snowbird Doug McLean he better watch out. He may lose his number one guest role. <laughs> you think Doug's heart would be broken? <laughs> Doug would be like, great. I got, I got it. Hey, Brian, if you're listening, send that tweet one more time, but tag at Doug McLean. I think that's his Twitter. I'll see it in and, and, three I will, weeks, and I will like it. Or something. And I will like it 
and we'll just uh, we'll wait for a response. <laughs> See how Doug feels about that. They're embarrassing themselves with these idiotic comments. <laughs> All right. 22 years ago. What happened to our next guest? Any idea? Oh, no, no, wait. Let's ask him. Oh, he's here. Marty Turco? Mm -hmm. What happened 22 years ago today? Ah, did I save myself $1,000 by losing my first game ever? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is that all you remember? I mean, it's the dumbest thing. Well, I, I gave my childhood idol, Ron Francis, three points, played against Archer Zerbe, and was the happiest guy on the planet. First game. Damn. Wow. That's my guess. Uh what was uh Correct. what was Ronnie Francis? Uh one and two, two and one? Uh, I think one and two. As a rebound off my jock, that was one. Um I took two penalties in the first period of that game. Did you really? Wow. I swear, yeah, I swear. Any any even worse or better since who you are, but for you guys you'll like this one. Uh they both <laughs> they they both were to go Put us down three on five, two men short both times, and they both were for shooting the puck over the glass. And I swear to you, the person, the guy, caught the puck both times. Same dude. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> I'm not making it. What a crazy on, first period. Awesome, awesome uh, stuff. And even better now for my sake. Yeah, we killed. Uh, we killed up both five on threes. Thank you. Have a nice day. All right. So here we are, uh, 22 uh, years later. <laughs> Like, what's the deal now? What are you, a special uh, yeah. assistant to the special what? Chef? What? Nah, what right, yeah. What are yeah, you doing? I eat everything. Um, uh, you know, run the foundation, work with the boss, and try to make uh, everybody happy in the great state of Texas. So it's a fun gig. 3 and 0. Like, what, what do you like? What have you seen so far out of Dallas? <clears throat> a lot of good things. You know, first things first, new coach. Great history with the uh, first seasons with their new team. <clears throat> so it's just actually a lot more fun to watch our guys play. It looks like the shackles are off. I know it's not that extreme, but um, it's just playing with more, more fun, more creativity, um, a little more belief. Our young guys are awesome. You know, our future looks bright, and our older guys are excited about the way the game is played. I think also that our uh, goalie, um, young as he is, provides a tremendous amount of confidence. He signed. He had an unreal playoff series last year. And, um, even though our other goalie, Wedgie, is going to get a home province start tonight, um, I think all those things add up to just some good stuff. I mean, we played Nashville twice. They come back from check. So, you know, me, I'm a goalie. I'm always a little hesitant. But uh, the, boys, the boys look good. They sound good. And hopefully keep the train rolling. One person who's been a feature attraction of our show today is uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf Mason Marchment. What have you seen out of Marchy three games into his Dallas Stars career? Well, he's a mature young man, and um, he, you know, he's, he's you know matured physically, mentally is what it looks like, and he's just ready to take on uh, you know a little more activity in the NHL. Um, there's a reason why we went and got him. 
So he's uh, been a uh, breath of fresh air. Just, you know, plays hard and uh, got some passion. So it, it just resonates well with uh, well, me anyway, but our fan base as well and our team. He's been good, man. He's um, you know he fills out the lineup, so it's amazing. As as far as uh, an overall uh, identity, identity, what uh, can the scoring get back up with Sagan and Ben? Uh, are they gonna Are they gonna run you out of a building? Can they play big and heavy consistently? Like overall, where is the Dallas Stars in uh, in the West? Well, you're leading the witness. I don't appreciate that. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, honestly, TBD, TBD. I, I, I just think we could skate with anybody. And, um, you know, moving the puck and getting out of our own zone is, will be vital. I mean, kind of what everybody's trying to do. But we're not going to run anybody out of the building. Um, I think when push comes to shove in the central, we're not going to probably just dominate on the scoring side. But um, probably a well rounded game. Um, we're going to need our goalies at some point to start, you know, steal a few games here and there. Um, you know, our top two guys of uh, dollar amount, Stegging Ben, I think they're happy. I think they love where they're at. They play with some veterans or they play with some young guys and they're going to play with, um, you know, a lot of speed, which, um, you know, from the last couple of years has been a little bit different. And so I just think everybody's a little happier and, and excited to come to work. We also haven't had adversity yet, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Hopefully, not in the shape of losing streaks, but uh, something at some point. So I think it's just well balanced, well rounded team, with a good mix of old and young. And you know, um, who cares who gets points as long as the W is hung on the board at the end of the night. One of the uh, feature players there in Dallas, uh, Joe Pavelski, is the third oldest player in the NHL to play a game this season. In, in your experience around the league. What sort of attributes make for a player who can still have success older and, well, just older? Leave it there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just love when people bring up my age when I was playing. But Joe um, <laughs> is, you know, those people say, hey, it brings lots of locker room and leadership. Well, even, even when it comes down to goal scoring and production, you know, you got to walk it. You got to walk it every day in this league. You just can't, um, you know, hang on accolades or age or leadership. And Joe plays on one of the still most dangerous lines in the game. And it's the oddest combination, which I love to watch every night. Uh, Robo wasn't at camp. Um, you know, he's still got his feet underneath him, but you know, you got uh, Joe, who's kind of pulls pulls a lot of people in, and just because he's a good dude. You know, he's been on great teams, and he's, he's, you know, got some moxie, but he also plays on my top line. And uh, so Rupe Hintz is flying, he's scoring goals and trying to grow out his hair at the same time. And, uh, you know, Joe's that anchor. He's in front of the net, he's behind the net, he's, you know, smells to the dishes at home, but he uh, gets the job done at the end of the day. So it's impressive uh, to watch him, and I think he's got a lot of fans, a lot of people cheering him on, and I know I am one of them. Marty, uh Last season, uh, we watched Jake Ottinger go from uh, a third-string bubble goalie to watching something historic uh, in a Game 7 against Calgary, which was, like, just mind-numbing watching this guy keep the Dallas Stars in it. And I'm just wondering now, could this guy 
be the next Marty Turco? Could he? Where is his ceiling here? Uh, that's hard to say. I mean, right now there is none because he's so young. And, um, man, he's just, he's, he's just great to be around. He's a nice kid. And he's got confidence. He's got swagger, but he's quiet. And, and, and th- th- this year, I don't know, maybe it's because of that playoffs last year, but watching him, I was like, man, I feel great <laughs> about our team just looking at him. The way he's moving, the poise that he has, it's um, that's the next step for him. And it, so far, so good. He's going to have, you know, lulls in the season, no doubt. How quick he get out of them is kind of the name of the game for that position. But um, I, I just, I can't even think of there being a uh, a ceiling, you know. We can work on the skill set, the puck moving, and, um, you know, just continue to be on the path that he is. I mean, he really took a bolt of lightning and turned it into something just really special. Not that he wasn't good before, but um, what we've seen already this year on and off the ice, that that matter, has been just something that you're just saying, right? Like, how is this, is this kid real, right? And he is. And how long is this run going to last? How good is it going to be? It's, you know, nobody knows, but it's got just quite the potential. And, you know, I was asked today, like, you know, is he, what do you think about him with, you know, my wins record here in this franchise? And I'm like, I can't wait to shake his hand. <laughs> Honestly, that means we're in a good spot. And that means for a long time. And he's, um, he's good. And, <laughs> Uh, my, you know, my standard line these days is like, man, he's six foot five, he's 23. He's on his way to being rich. He's uh, nice. He's good looking. I mean, I, I hate the guy, right? <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm, I'm not a jealous type, but uh, this guy's going to bring the worst out of me, I think. But honestly, no good son of a bitch. He's a great kid and, <laughs> I know. I'm like, why'd you do that to me? Um, but he's good, man. He's good. We're very, very lucky. And, you know, we spotted it years ago, and he's probably fast-tracked his way to being, um, you know, a legit contender as the number one guy for Team USA when those things show up on the calendar. Well, Marty, we, we couldn't possibly let you go before we had you weigh in on what's going on here in Toronto. You know, the uh, the team had high expectations, has had a couple of really crushingly disappointing losses. They brought in a goaltender and Matt Murray, who... You know, was trying to rejuvenate his career, hurt right away. Um, you know, you guys see see the Toronto Maple Leafs coming. What are your thoughts on what's unfolding here north of the border? <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was snowing up there. I was going to feel so bad for you all. I wore shorts golfing yesterday. I was thinking of you, Kipper. Um, the, you guys, the Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, I saw the frustration on, you know, Sheldon's face. Um, the press conference. I mean, you guys do. The team has just bona fide superstars and young and a great nucleus. So, you know, they got to get their crap together. Um, uh, it's funny that when I was in the Sioux trying to, my last year trying to play, I had had Matt Murray most of the year. He was there as a 17 year old, and then Kyle traded for Jack Campbell later that year. So I <laughs> had both of them there at one point, and uh, I was really excited to see Matt, um, you know, get the nod during camp. Uh, once he signed to be the starter, and it sucks that he got hurt, but uh, hopefully he gets speedy recovery. Um, yeah, I, I think you're going to see a little different game tonight. I'm actually really excited to watch it, um, you know, just for you know Toronto's sake to see you know, these guys come out and as uh, talented as they are to probably put work first and um, skill second, and then see if your goalie can 
you know, if uh, you know this guy can get on a roll for for you know that while Matt's out, um, he's not, I mean, he's been there before. There's no reason why he can't. Uh, I just hope they catch fire maybe on Saturday instead of tonight for my team's sake. But um, <laughs> I expect a I expect a good game with some good emotion, and um, you know, you guys are just too talented, really. So to be down, it's just hard, man. It's the start of the year, we they all know the stats, right? Of you can't make the playoffs. Uh, they sure can miss the playoffs early in the season. So uh, points are at premium. Uh, it's not no panic button, but you got to start winning hockey games. At least, at least feeling like you're, you're playing winning hockey. And um, what I've seen so far, they're not. And uh, it's in there. So I'm, I'll, I'll expect to see some uh, some good vinegar tonight out of the guys. Marty, just quickly before I, I let you go, I think you're the perfect guy to ask this. Uh, like, can can goalies play 60 games and still have? plenty of juice to play in the playoffs anymore yeah yeah they can i think okay and okay i'm biased you know we did it we did it but uh, uh can they all do it no that 32 goalies cannot do that i think it does take a special breed and it depends on how serious and focused they are you know probably looking back it's probably about four or five cases of beer during the year i wish i wouldn't have drank but I did, and I was still playing 60, 70 some games, and I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I think they can. That's my short answer. Um, it comes down to the individual. You know, I don't, you know, I don't talk man workload management or whatever term is today. Whatever the analytics say, better chance not playing. But every time Dave Tippett asked me if I was ready to go, the answer is yes. Um, I was honest with him about my body, but I also worked out all year long. I was in the gym, and um, you know, Mr. Hicks paid me to win hockey games, and that's the way I looked at it. And so, game one, game eighty-two, and game one of the second round, like it's all the same, you know. So I don't know. I've got some, I've got an old school opinion on that, but all right, pal. Listen, always appreciate your time on the show. No, you guys are awesome. Enjoy. Okay, Thanks, have fun Marty. tonight watching the game, Marty Turco. Yep. Okay. Going from Mike Fuda to Marty today <laughs> was like going off the roller coaster and then jumping into the swan in the man-made pond. <laughs> and listen, both great things on their own. Love them both. <laughs> but there was some whiplash. <laughs> Reverse whiplash. What's going on today, boys? Full I mood? don't know. Full moon today? I have no idea. I love it. I love Is it. Mercury, Mercury in retrograde? Yeah. What's going on? I got to ramp it back up here. I only asked that last question to Marty because uh, Scott Wed- Wedgwood is in today. Yep. Uh, I wanted to see Jake Ottinger. Ottinger. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see uh, Austin and and uh, Mitch against him tonight. Mm-hmm. I thought it would have been great. But this is strictly analytics here. This is saying that uh, we got to manage his uh, his starts, and uh, this one was in the books all day long for for Dallas, I think, and Peter DeBoer not to play Jake in in this game. Haven't we established that the solution to playing more is just doing what Marty said and having guys like drink a few more cases of beer, eat eat some fast food, like being a little bit more pliable? Was it Mike McKenna who came on and basically said, "Yeah, I had a horrible bod and I never yeah, got hurt. Never yeah. got hurt, like." For goaltenders, I don't know, maybe they don't need to play 41 games. Maybe they just need to, you know, just stretch and eat some steak. I don't know. All right, we, we do have a few uh, 
news and notes. But before that, I did say earlier on the show that I'd like to revisit an article that I wrote for the Toronto Star yes, about yes. Uh, the, the. You don't want to talk the about thought. the reverse retro jerseys first? Okay. Johnny, Johnny journalism. We'll talk no, let's journalism. go. Yeah, let's get into my Johnny journalism because uh, I, when, when Muzzin went down, yeah. I think for me, it, it, I envisioned that blue line without Jake Muzzin. And I hope he's okay, and I hope he's back in a week. But if he is, there's always going to be that thought that you could lose him at any time. Mm-hmm. And you just wonder where that would leave the the Leaf Blue line all season long. Or Can't see them winning a cup without Muzzin if his money's on there. But, like He's a crucial the, piece of the, that back There's end. many of us that believe that even with Muzzin, it might not be enough of a blue line still to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So I wrote an article about uh, Jake Chikrin and certainly uh, talked about his injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked about that, you know, there's many out there, scouts or other teams that uh, may have some questions about his game. But the point that I try to make is that he is their best and perhaps only option if they want to do something significant, mm-hmm. which I think... The thought of Jake Muzzin not being there or not recovering yeah. puts him in, in in a position to really think about going after someone like Jake Jacob Chikrin. And now, instead of that, yeah, that, that March, token uh, March uh, first rounder for a rental. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a great point. I learned a lot reading that article. Uh, well done on your part. One of the things... So two things. One, I didn't re- realize that he had had some injury history. You mentioned surgery on both knees, whatever. I mentioned to you before the show, that doesn't phase me at all. Like, he's not 34. Well, how old is he? 24. It's going to be fine. He's going to be fine. You know, it's not uncommon for guys to have gone through some things. And that salary is just so cheap. You know, you look at, uh, what was it, Matthias Samuelson just signed with the, the Buffalo Sabres for eight. Who? I know. And it's like for 4.8, whatever. Chikrin makes 4.6. And and three more runs at a cup Yeah, three. if you get him yeah. now. So the other thing is that, you know, you thought it was conceivable they could do it without giving up. Yeah, I, I had mentioned that. I, I really believe if, if you structure um, something around two first-round picks and possibly one other sweetener, mm-hmm. you can get the deal done. But again, I, I don't know I, I don't know what that compares to uh, five or six other teams. Mm-hmm. And maybe there is a, a double-A prospect out there that they'd rather go to than the two first-rounders. But I think that would put the Leafs in, a ball, in the ballpark for him. Yeah. The Leafs want to hang on to Nyes, right? That Not that yes. anyone is yeah. immovable. Because it's the dumbest thing in the world to say, we're not moving You know, this guy. There's yeah. always a price. The, the people that I've talked to believe that, that there is a deal to be made without Matthew Nyes. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's fascinating because that's what they would like to do. You know, but, Dubas does get killed for trading picks. I, I, I feel bad having a conversation about Jacob Chikrin, because I feel like I don't know what he is at all as a hockey player. Well, like, he's I been just, in Arizona I, in your I, defense. I like, hasn't been playing you know, I like, I love, You're I, not the only one I, talking about a team that's made the playoffs maybe once in 
a gazillion years. I love the idea of a young you know, guy that's going to come in here, 24, you got him for three more years at a good number that you're going to have to trade all your finest meats and cheeses for. <laughs> but I do worry about that, that it's yeah. a completely different kettle of fish going from that situation to this situation and plugging him in here and just expecting him to be the savior. Trading, what are you going to have to trade? Like you said, multiple first-round picks, you know, prospects. It's a very scary proposition to me as a guy who has but, never really watched him play a hockey game. But you and, and Foots actually uh, talked about... Uh, the amount of draft picks that have gone out for Kyle Dubas. Mm -hmm. Last year, we did not see the Leafs make their first round pick available. Mm -hmm. You cannot see the same scenario this year. No. It, they, one if I'm has Kyle to, Dubas with no extension, I'm trading all the firsts. One, Let's get good today. One has to be back in play yeah. if you need it at the trade deadline. You you said moments ago he, he's getting he, he he might get killed on the amount of draft picks already out. Yeah, but can you see him getting killed if he doesn't make any more available? That you've gone this far and now you've you're you have to be all in. Mm -hmm. It's like in poker when you've kind of been like small blind, big blind. You're all you eventually got to push all your chips in. You just don't have enough left to mess around with. That's kind of where the Leafs are at. It's it's if it's going to be now or never, then push them all in. Sammy, would you, if you're not thinking about Chikrin, I'm, th I'm thinking about Patty Kane. That's all I can think about. That's the acquisition I want. This guy in Patty Kane. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I I look at uh, the blue line, and I think I, if I can get another twenty to twenty-two minute guy in there, and I I also think about what a guy like Chikrin or another top four defenseman could do for Morgan Riley. I think Morgan Riley stressed back there. I, I think Horace is back there. I think the ask, <laughs> I think the ask constantly and the pressure on Morgan Riley is just too much for him. He has to be Mr. Everything out there. Mm -hmm. He has to push. He has been his whole Leafs career. And, he, and he's really been a man on an island on that. Yeah. It would be interesting to know. Let's say you're prepared to offer a package of two first round picks. Um, Rasmus Sandin. Yes. I don't know who you said. You know, Sandin. Who, someone like that. Two, two first and Sandin. If you went around to other teams in the league, what becomes available for that? You know, cost. I don't know. But but you cannot. If that's a good cost, that could. Get, everybody else has a six million dollar defenseman or a seven yeah, or, yeah. Or, or an expiring one. Sure. So you can go trade a first rounder for Klingberg, but can you get Klingberg to stay? After Not that, for four point six, I can't. No, you cannot. So yeah. that's where it really is. The can you, only can thing Chicken play the right. <laughs> you know, that's a, that's another complicating factor. It's like another great player who maybe isn't the puzzle piece fit. I listen. They want him. They would got, you would you take Dumba for a first rounder and a prospect? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for a rental. Yeah, I I would. Yep. Yeah. But listen, the Chikrin thing, I understand he's, okay. you know, he's because an elite guy. You, you already watched, you already did that, that, that thing already once with Nick Foligno, where you went a first and a fourth and, and walked, watched him walk out the door. You, you're going you're gonna to do that again. Nick Foligno was, you know, a hurt man. He's a broken man. To me, there's just no, like, if you're the wild, you don't trade Dumba, though. No, they're too good, but they got salary issues like, of their I own. I guess they got, they got the, they're playing with a smaller cap. <laughs> Chipper's going to say they're 0-3-0. They're done. They're Ooh. done. Do you know what they have in dead 
Yeah, it's base. true. They have a, they have a different cap space than everybody else. Is it, are they, what are they at now? Is it They've 14 got, yet? Th- their, their cap is minus $15 million. Yeah. That's three. Oh, let's do math now. That's three $5 million <laughs> players. You think three $5 million could help them? Yeah. They're like... That that's was a stud. That's right shot. That's what's missing for Minnesota. Mm. Hey, might be tough to make the playoffs here. Wow. Dumba should be available. Yeah. I'm interested in that. Yeah, now we're that, talking. Right? And he also runs into people, which I like. But it will it will be expensive. Dumba yeah. would be a, a first and, and maybe a, a grade A prospect yeah. for a rental, guys. Yeah. Dumba will make, if the cap goes up like people are talking about, Dumba is... Seven. Well, and also seven Kyle, and a half. Kyle Dubas has been pretty vocal about not liking straight up rentals. He's obviously made some exceptions, but generally it's been, you know, was it Muzzin and Muzzin had a year and uh, Campbell. Campbell had an extra year and a lot of the trades he's made. It's been for guys who have at least another year of term. I'm sure it's appealing to have a guy like Chickering for more years. If you're going to give up picks, you're at least getting a couple more years out of the game. Here's the thing that I don't know if we're talking about either, too, is, like, specialty teams, the power play is, I don't think it's getting talked enough about how. There's no conversation to be had. That's why. How it went from a 31% or a 32% in the middle of the season last year to non-existent. And I, I can almost make an argument that, Maybe it was the the power play that was the difference between Tampa losing or winning to Tampa. Sure, you can. Okay, and they're going to say eh, and it's a small it's, sample. It's not looking good again. And I like Morgan, but Morgan is not a Grade A power play guy. Right. Chickren solves that. Sold. You know, I'm sold. Does he? Listen, well, I, I've been. So I love Morgan Riley, the player. He's not my favorite power play guy. I've made that clear in this show many times. I, I don't like him on the power play. I don't think he's he's got a big shot. I don't think he's quick with his decisions. Too much dusting it off. Sure. Would love a guy that, that comes in and makes a difference. The problem is, you look at their power play last year, Kipper, and it was his first in the NHL. Is that good? Yeah, but horrific for the last month and a half. I understand Including that. the playoffs. But, you know, it's the same people who finished first. Mm-hmm. It's the same people yeah. who have shown they but can it's also, do it. It's also the same people that watched it in the first half and said, hey, just take away this guy because Morgan can't shoot the puck. He doesn't got a, he doesn't have a cannon back there. That's the guy we want the puck. So that the, it changed. Take away the team, make it, a move it to Morgan. It, it, it changed. Once they figured out that the threat is more on the 34 side than anywhere else. Yeah then it, you need another you need a, another threat. If you had a guy up there who could shoot it, which, by the way, is not Giordano, is not Sandine, is not, is not on the team, if you had a guy who could bomb it, you draw that top penalty killer out a little bit to at least respect that threat, and it opens seams, and all of a sudden... Jacob Trickham, by the way, has 17 career power play goals in five seasons as a defenseman. Pretty darn good. And Morgan... I uh, don't have that in front of me, but he's got 37 career power play points, Jacob Chikrin, as well. Yeah. So I can look yeah. up Morgan here quickly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, no, forget it. Don't do that. I'm doing I mean, it right now because it's probably not going to fit our narrative here. I don't no, think he's going to have well, a lot. Morgan's, Morgan's had six or 700 games, and Jacob's had yeah, half, the, half that. Yeah. So uh, it's. Uh, no, it, uh, our narrative is actually very well. In, yeah. He has 12 in his career, uh, Morgan Riley, yeah. 12 power play goals. Wow, I and, cannot and, believe he has 12. And, and, and Chickren has 17 in five years. Yeah, so I mean, no, that's, and, that's and, our narrative. 11 or 12 in three years. Mm-hmm. 
So we're talking about different players. And I just think that if you're you're going to be a skilled player and you're not running anybody over or going through people constantly uh, in the playoffs, then your best friend has to be your power play. Mm-hmm. Well, particularly if you're not going to have a heavyweight on the okay. team, someone that might here's, feel Here's it, one more it's... thought on, and again, getting Morgan Riley help, is that if he just picks his spots more, mm-hmm. he can defend better. Yeah. Well, and now that he has that contract, it's like there's no need to go get points no, during your money. Now just play defense. You, you got your 60 large. Yeah, now jump in when you the, need the to, only but thing mostly Morgan keep needs, the puck out of your net. The only thing Morgan needs is the team to be good. Yeah. Not playing 24 minutes, not playing he needs a nothing. minute and a half on the power play. I agree. He just needs the team to win, and he'll be a god here. Like I really the, like Morgan the, Riley, like, like when I hear him in like, interviews. Like we've all dreamt about. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Okay. Okay. He makes um, seven five, not twelve. For okay. A reason. I I have to get to this, or else I'm gonna make Sammy cry. But he really wants to talk about the unis, the oh. the, the retro right, jerseys. I'm pulling them up. I'm pulling them up. The reverse so, retros. Well, if you haven't seen hot, them it, yet, it's a hot button uh, item. All right. Amongst, amongst Let's go. Fans. I'm I'm hot button guy. Thirty two new sweaters released in the NHL. Yes. Kipper, here you go. Oh no, I got them right here on my phone. Okay. All right. Okay. I- I'm a big-time Jersey guy, so this is a very exciting day for me. Right off the bat, let me go first. Not a big powder blue guy. I see it on Florida and and in Montreal. Okay, let me stop you right there. The nicest jersey of the whole thing is the Florida Panthers powder blue. Candy-ass uniforms. Oh, they are sexy. No, hey, no. no. You know what? Those are right out of the kind of Miami vibes that they've been doing with the uh, the basketball team. I see that jersey. I'm going straight to the beach. Yes, that's not, what Florida not, is. No, they're selling who they yes. are. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're going to the beach because there are no hockey games. You know what though, Kipper? If you look from a distance, that sweater doesn't it look like a golf club crossing the uh, the palm tree? Oh yeah, I love the sweater. But if that were a golf club, that'd be a, a great logo for a high end club. What do you see there? Do you see an Odyssey putter? What do yeah, you see? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, <laughs> like it, it does look like a putter, just a nice with a fat grip on it there. But All right. the, the most pertinent and most important one we have to talk about is the Leafs. And Which, Sammy, I came in and you said nailed 10 it. out of 10. Okay, like, nailed it. My thoughts? I, I don't know. My agreed. first thought is it looks like something I've seen a thousand times. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's blue and white years. with a leaf on it. Okay. So that's what they always, uh, that's their, that's, they can't no, go on. For, what do you think? The, the last one they did sucked. It was horrible. This one is beautiful. I'm just really, that's a hockey I'm thrilled that they didn't try to be a different team for the reverse retro. Like, they didn't try to be the St. Pat's or the arenas yeah, or, same. or whatever. It's like, oh, it's nice the that they was not a hit. <laughs> it's nice that they're, Third jersey has a leaf on it, and it's a very cool retro leaf. I like the white shoulders. I would have preferred them just to come out with the Sundin era blue shoulder ones, like the the throwback ones that they had there for a long time. Oh, uh, the Davy Keon one, I remember. Well, the one that they wore when I was a kid, yeah, basically. So I uh, I'm a big fan. I'm happy. I, I if I was 24 years old, I'd buy it, but I don't have any uh, right. occasions to wear a jersey anymore. So. I see San Jose Sharks, which kind of goes. I think of the California Golden Seals. Golden Seals. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I can't believe how badly the Detroit Red Wings have been mangled in the reverse process twice in a row. That to me is last place. To me, number one, Penguins. Oh, man, what a beauty. And I just see Mar- I see Mario yeah. wearing that shirt. Yeah, that looks like it's been an actual jersey before. It's so mm-hmm. perfect. 
Yes, Vegas's sir. logo gl uh, glows in the dark, which is very Vegas. So, and what, they don't pay their electricity bills that they need no, this? No, they put on a show before the game. They're in the dark. They, they come out night. in the dark with warmy and warmy, and they got It could be a little showier for me, though. I understand it glows yeah. in the dark, but it, a little plain for Vegas for me. I, but I will never, ever accept that guy on the Islander jersey. The fisherman. Yeah. The, they re the, you know the, why they messed up uh, the fisherman jersey? They took the fisherman soul friend? Yeah. What was the, uh, the Captain Highlander? Captain Highlander. Yeah. yeah the, never, ever. At least have, if you're going to go back to the fisherman, which, you know, everyone fought or Lou Lamorello fought anyway, at least do it with the things that made it unique and silly with the teal and all that. This kind of took the soul out of it. I don't love it. Okay. If I ever love Ziggy Palfy, big fan. Ever. Spend this much time talking about jerseys ever hey, again on this show. We put up with your stuff. You got to talk jerseys take, with us. Take that baseball bat in your office and just hit me over the head. <laughs> right away. beat it. <laughs> I. Uh, it's nice that the NHL does this. That they give they give the jersey freaks like me a nice little treat. Love here the and Kings. There. Love the Wild. Right. It's nice. Yeah. People. Oh, I know you don't. So I, don't nice I, I know you don't give a crap. They but they matter. Like you. Too. They get suckers like you to dish out another three fifty for a jersey. Yeah, then we can get HRR up and we get the salary cap up and we get good players in Toronto. Can you I tell you happy. something about the salary cap? Please do. Just make it whatever you want. You're Gary Bettman, man. You could put it up I two million, you, three I million, four take. million. Just whatever. You, you yeah. hey, it's your pencil with the eraser. You are the accountant. That's such a good point. You can just do whatever you want. Yeah, do we need Jeremy Jacobs to get every penny and, back he's and, owed from and, Patrice, Patrice and, Bergeron before we could raise the cap? And your top teams are dying right now with their cap. Listen they're, to they're, the man. Okay, They're Listen dying. It's yeah, embarrassing. It is humiliating that the Edmonton Oilers with Connor McDavid cannot fill out a roster in game one because of this stupid salary cap. Just put it up. Who like go to your owners, get them Is to it, stroke another million. Like, like yeah. would the Leafs stroke another two million to get the cap up? I bet you that with the Rangers, would, it's not that hard. No, it's not. It's I, I do wonder if you went to the Leafs and said, uh, we'll raise the cap two million uh if you give us twenty million if the Leafs go, okay. We can work hey, with that. Hey, <laughs> hey, bring some of that milk money out. How much you want? I just, it's always baffled me why they don't just do the NBA model with the luxury tax. Like, if you want the rich teams, if they want to spend, let them spend. Yeah, they just got to pay more money. Yeah. More money to you. Right. It's like, you don't think the lease would pay a $200 million tax bill to... Have the best team like in the league by far. Success. The no. Leafs could spend whatever they wanted forever and messed it up. It's possible. Uh, yeah. Jack Campbell back between the pipes tonight oh, for the first time since baby. Saturday as the Oil take on the Carolina Hurricanes. Well, oh, that's a tough game too. Oh, coming in <laughs> hot. Oh, <yeah>. right? <laughs> I can't wait. You oh, you were, Jack, to oh, just I am. Not, are you nervous for Jack? I'm no. full on hate watching Kip. I he, just can't he wait. He wants Jack to get yeah, just move on. No, don't yeah. do that. Oh, Jack's yeah. way too nice of no. a guy to cheer against. Stop it. We are rooting against okay. him. Not because we dislike him. Just because he wants the Leafs to not look like they missed out on the next Vesna winner. He loves kittens, for God's sakes. He does love kittens. I just give me the first shot going the net tonight, please. <laughs> just through his logo, just oh. right under the arm. That I despise that dude. <laughs>
That game on Saturday night, bud, when they got lit up, Kadri coming in, shooting at five hole. I w- I've never seen this side of Sammy He's, before. It's the best thing on this show is when Sammy gets to give us the thing that everyone's thinking and no one's saying. Hey, it's, for, among I, the fan base. I can't. Well, I, that's just a, he's just a Leaf hater. I mean, he's a Leaf lover who hates. He's a hating Leaf lover. Comma, leaf lover. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've labeled you, Sammy. Sorry, I'm just in a battle on the chat here. What's oh, going are. on? What are the people on you? Oh, I, just, I just told some guy to go back to the bird bath. He was chirping me for no reason. So. Uh, Pigeon. Yeah. Wow, that was a fast two-hour show. That was. That was a good Our show. thanks to Mike Fuda. Yep. Our thanks to Marty Turco. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Take a deep breath. Hockey match tonight. Watch Dallas versus the Leafs. One win could solve a lot of problems tonight. Winning cures all. JB, always a pleasure. Our thanks yep. to Derek, Brandeo, Jen Ronek. Sammy, enjoy the game tonight, pal. Oh, yeah, bud. And thanks to all of you for watching and listening. Back tomorrow.